Welcome to Reinventing Nerds. Dr. Joni Cannell shares communication strategies for technical people. She shares her own stories of learning to communicate and brings in other nerds and experts to show you how to interact with people in a way that's comfortable for you. And now, here's your host, the uniquely qualified engineer turned psychologist, Dr. Joni Cannell. Hello and welcome to Reinventing Nerds. Today we have a very special guest, Louis Soconini. He is the director of the Lean Six Sigma Institute and he's a master black belt in Lean Six Sigma. He's also a very impressive guy. He has several books on lean practices and he's run over 300 projects in Mexico, the United States, Spain, and South America. Luis is an engineer by training, and he has several certificates in quality and manufacturing, some, some, uh, some of those very prestigious institutions like Harvard and MIT, just to name a few. I mean, his story is really interesting because he was born and raised in Mexico, and he runs his business bilingually from San Diego, California. I'll interview him in English though, because I just don't have enough Spanish to do it in, in Spanish, but uh, let's welcome Luis. Thank you very much, Ryan. A pleasure to be here with you. Yeah, this is so much fun. Um, I'm so glad to have you on because you have a really different story from a number of my guests. And I've been wanting to ask you, in fact, I don't even know your story. So I wanna ask you here live to hear, um, you started your business in Mexico and then you moved it to San Diego. And I wanna hear your journey, you know, somehow you started in there and, and moved up here and continue to work in both places. Sure. Well, it's, a, it's a, been an interesting journey. I started, as you mentioned, my business in Mexico. In fact, I, I am an industrial engineer uh, with a master in quality and productivity. And one of the key factors for a company to uh, continue in business, I think, is uh, international, uh, to, to move to different countries. It's not just to stay in one, but I, I learned that uh, since I was um, learning how to, how to be a businessman. So uh, I put my attention on, on that specific factor, and it was in 2006 when I started this uh, international journey. I started my first office in South, South America, especially in Colombia, uh, and that was an interesting uh, and risky uh, adventure. It was uh, uh, something I really wanted to do, so uh, I decided to take the risk and, 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 and to start moving forward in that direction. So um, after that, I started an office in, in, in Spain and later in, in Switzerland. Uh, it was in 2010 when I decided to expand to the United States. Uh, one of the reasons is because some of my clients uh, in Mexico and South America, uh, they were American companies and they were asking me, um, why don't you help us in, in the United States? Why, why don't you have a, an office? It was kind of a, an idea that my clients gave me. So I decided to take uh, the chance and, and take the opportunity. Uh, and in 2010, as you know, that was a, not an easy time. Uh, it was an economic uh, situation where uh, the world was, was really difficult at that time. But I decided to do that. Uh, and, and it was an interesting, interesting journey. I bet. And you moved your family here too, right? That's right. Uh, we moved all together. I, I presented this opportunity to my wife. Uh, I, first, I had to convince her. 
uh, and then uh, she said, in fact, I, I thought she, she was going to say no. <laughs> but the first thing she says, is, yeah, why not? Let's try it. I, I think that's an interesting uh, chance. And uh, uh, I, I think it's uh, maybe we can take just one year and see what happens. And from there, we can decide if we stay or we can uh, come back to Mexico. So uh, that was an interesting uh, choice. So the first year was fantastic. We learned a lot. It was a completely change uh, in, in, in the way we live, in the way we interact with the kids, uh, and the way we work, especially. I bet. And that's a whole nother question, too, about parenting practices <laughs> in the U.S. and Mexico. We've gotten a little protective here. Um, and I've written a book about that. Um, but uh, I want to stick to business. And I want to know, I mean, you call your business LSSI, too, as well, Lean Six Sigma Institute. Yes. That's okay. right. All right. Okay. So, so uh, what do you do? And what is Lean Six Sigma for the folks who haven't actually heard of it? Okay, right. This is a, an interesting uh, question. Every time uh, somebody asks me that, I, I think maybe more and more people know about Lean Six Sigma, but it's important to know what is this about. So uh, Lean, I would say this is a, a philosophy, a methodology, and a set of tools that was created by uh, Toyota. Uh, Toyota created this methodology based on the learnings they had uh, from when when uh, Japanese companies came to the United States to learn what were the best practices so they, they can improve their productivity based on the uh, U.S. productivity that after the Second War was really like eight times higher in the United States. So they came, they took all this uh, knowledge and they converted into a system. So right now it's called the Toyota production system. This mm -hmm. equals lean. Uh, in the other hand, Six Sigma was created by, Mo by Motorola. That, that is something they created as a, as a um, secret project, I would say, in the 80s. Mm -hmm. And at the, at the end of the 80s, they presented as a, as a project uh, to, to succeed in quality uh, issues. They had a lot of uh, problems in, related with quality. But it was in uh, 1988 when uh, Motorola won the, 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 the quality award. Uh, given by President Ronald Reagan. And here Ronald Reagan asked um, Bob Galvin, who was the CEO at the time of Motorola, uh, what you, you guys did. It was incredible the way you improved quality. You have to show this to the world. So Bob Galvin said, okay, well, if you say, I, I, I'm going to show our project. It's called it Six Sigma. Mm -hmm. So they, they show this project to the world. Um, and then together, Lean and Six Sigma, they become the most powerful methodology to improve quality and productivity. I would say that maybe we can, we can condense this in just two words. I would say Lean, uh, Six Sigma is about quality and speed, or a speed with quality, however you want to call it. Okay. Lean Sigma is about speed and quality. So where do you need speed and quality? You name it. Uh, you need speed and quality uh, for sales, for marketing. If you, if you have a restaurant, you, you require uh, speed and quality. If you have a hotel, um, if, even in decision-making, we need speed and quality. So it's, it's a, an interesting approach to improve companies, especially when uh, they need to succeed in situations like the one we are living right now. 
Yes. Yeah. When we have like fast transitions, right? Yeah. Okay. Crisis and all that. Yeah. For those who might be listening in later, uh, not live here. Uh, we are at the shelter in place during the COVID-19 um, crisis situation. So I'm sure that you're dealing with a lot of folks in this, uh, in this situation. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, right now we are working with several companies. In fact, we are working with the uh, U.S. Army. <laughs> oh. They have an interesting project about Lean Army. Uh, we are working with insurance companies, with healthcare companies, I mean hospitals, clinics. Uh, right now, uh, this is a, a philosophy that is being applied not only for manufacturing companies, but for all kinds of companies. So right now, we, we, we are really um, focused on how to help uh, different type of companies and on how to succeed, especially in at these times. Uh, I have to tell you, many of our clients, they, they have been delaying in some way uh, some of the training, some of the uh, implementations. But right now, they are using these times to prepare, to, to get ready uh, when they need to go, come back. And now uh, Lean Six Sigma is becoming a, a, the, the way they are going to overcome this situation. Yeah, I bet. Um, yeah, interesting. So, okay, I'm curious, like in normal times, and, and maybe it's the same as, as today, I mean, what kind of challenges are your clients usually facing? I mean, especially in technical organizations, since we have a lot of nerds listening in here, working in technical like, uh, environments here, what kind of challenges are they hiring you to help them solve? You know, uh, a large numbers, number of companies, they are uh, facing problems in terms of quality, uh, in terms of delivery time, in terms of uh, cost, especially cost. I think that's one of, of the main drivers mm -hmm. in this situation. That is for companies. And, you know, uh, individuals are also facing uh, uh, decreasing job opportunities, but also increasing competition. So uh, we, we normally work with companies, but also with individuals. In the, in the side of companies, uh, I can tell you like um, the typical customer we have is uh, they are not delivering their products or services on time. So let's say a construction company, they say, well, my, my main problems are we are not delivering on time uh, what we promised. A software company, talking about nerds, a, a software company, one of the main uh, headaches they have is they are not delivering on time. Uh, they, they the, the software sometimes doesn't have the quality enough. Um, so any, 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 uh, anything related with quality and, uh, and, and, and speed, uh, it's something where, where we can help. So uh, just to give you a, a, an example, mm -hmm. the first customer we had here in San Diego, it's a small company, small manufacturing company, and they were having problems of delivery, delivery time. They used to deliver their products in four weeks, three to four weeks. So um, they asked for help. And so we started teaching them. We, we, we started changing the, the layout they have, changing different practices, implementing basic tools, and so on. Six months later, they were delivering it just two days, not three weeks. Wow. <laughs> just two days. Right. Uh, uh, in terms of uh, results, mm -hmm. that is, they, they were working with $2 million in inventory. So cash flow it was a big problem. So after six months, they were working with only $500,000 in inventory. It's a big shift. You know, and also um, sales. Uh, imagine customers, they were looking for different other choices. So when, when customers, they had a good product, 
because they have great quality, but now they can deliver on time. Uh, sales were increased uh, like five times. <laughs> Something yeah. very interesting, they didn't spend more time, uh, I mean, more money and more people. With the same people, uh, they, they, they increased capacity five times, just five, five times. Five times, wow. That was incredible. In fact, uh, that this company was evaluated by CMTC, which is an organization uh, who uh, later offered us uh, uh, federal, federal and state funds to help mm -hmm. other companies. So right now we are helping uh, more than 100 companies here in just in San Diego, some of them also in, in LA area. Uh, and that's an interesting story that many companies are facing. So right now, um, many companies are using Lean Six Sigma as their operational system to uh, to, to to make a better uh, 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 and systematic uh, processes where they can deliver on time, no matter what kind of business they are, and also decreasing their cost because all we do is to find or help them to find find uh, any kind of waste or any non-value added activity. And then with uh, several tools that we teach them, they, they are able to uh, improve their processes by eliminating all this kind of waste. Yeah, I just want to add something. I mean, that's just so impressive. But I also think it's just so important for our listeners to, to hear what you're talking about, that uh, Lean Six Sigma was developed back in the 80s, right? I mean, even at Toyota and Motorola, they were using these practices for a long time. And uh, you know, here we are in the 2000s and 2020, right? And we're still finding that these are just as effective in improving uh, speed and efficiency and all that. Um, and, you know, it's just something to be said to not following the latest fad and the latest trend, right? And just switching back and forth between whatever just sounds hot right there and the latest book, but actually uh, doing something that's tried and true. And I, I would also add that, you know, the experience that I've had in uh, understanding how Japanese companies are run is thinking long-term rather than just short-term as well. And so uh, that would be some nice sage advice to be thinking about in, and this, that they have been doing this thing for a long time and they expect long-term results and not just swaying with uh, the trending news. So, okay, let me ask you some other questions because I have some really interesting things I want to ask you, Luis. In fact, the one that, that really interests me is like the people stuff and the cross-cultural challenges. And I'm wondering, you know, you've, gone, you've done business in South America and Spain and Mexico and now in the U.S., what kind of cross-cultural challenges have you run into? Well, um, are you talking about clients or uh, employees? Ooh, I'm talking about employees. I think that would be okay. the interesting one, yeah. Well, you know, uh, employees, in, in our case, I, I think are very lucky. Uh, I would say that uh, most of our uh, employees or our staff, uh, they were asking uh, us the opportunity to hire them. <laughs> Mm -hmm. We never look for somebody. I would say that um, they like what we do. Mm -hmm. Normally, we teach two to 3,000 people uh, different levels of Sigma, and Sigma levels like black belts, green belts, and so on. So have, we have many students. And, and, and we offer these courses all over the world. So uh, during these courses, or maybe at the end of those courses, some of them, they approach to us, and they, they ask for an opportunity to become part of the team. So I feel lucky. Uh, for that, because um, I would say we never look for somebody. They, they always look uh, mm -hmm. for an opportunity. 
uh, I would say that those um, differences, different cultural uh, approaches and, and, and cultural differences, they are not so uh, uh, hard uh, when, when I would say maybe it, this is because most of them, they have a high level of education, I would say. Mm -hmm. uh, most of them now they consider um, international leaders. They, they are not like, Yo, I, I'm from Spain, I'm, I'm just uh, 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 dealing with Spanish people and so on. I think that right now, young people is more, more about becoming a, 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 an international um, professional, I would say. So most of our, our team members are uh, really open and something we do to do that is, is to, to send them to different projects. Uh, for example, people from Spain, they're right now working in projects in the United States or Latin America. Uh, people from Latin America right now are working in our projects in Switzerland, in Germany, uh, in, even in India or um, in China, even in China. So uh, what we try to do is to really eliminate those boundaries uh, because now they consider part they consider themselves part of an international team. So uh, for us, it's very, very important that they believe they are part of just one uh, uh, company, international company. Something very important is that they uh, share our values. They share our mission to help companies and individuals to maximize their potential. Uh, and I think the most important part is that uh, we feel a lot of satisfaction of what we do. Helping others is 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 a, the most uh, uh, wonderful thing uh, mm -hmm. because we we feel we help we are helping, but also uh, we we get paid very well. Oh, that's always good. Yeah. Okay. So let me ask you a little bit about um, speeding things up and getting better at things. I mean, um, I'm sure you have different processes that you follow. Um, throughout, you know, and um, dealing with all, all sorts of different systems and all that. But I'm, I'm wondering about the people. And part of it must be motivating people, right? So how is it that uh, you help technical leaders motivate their employees to be more efficient? Okay, well, that's a very, very important part. I would say that 50% uh, of what we te teach and coach is exactly that. Uh, yeah. I think uh, teaching and practicing Practicing simple but very powerful tools is, is very important for us. Just to give you an idea, to, for, for leaders, especially technical leaders, that maybe they are very focused on the technical side but not in the leadership side, I would say that the, 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 the most important for us to, to motivate them is first to show them a different way to organize themselves, to organize their company, uh, and, and to show results in a different way. We believe that... Uh, Technical leaders, they need to focus more in the strategic side of the company in order to grow and to, in order to, to, to improve their team performance. And so that's why we teach and practice with them uh, different tools. We call it the strategic tools. Just to give you an example, uh, we teach them Hoshin Canary, which is, this is a tool uh, that basically is, is, a, is a way to put in just one page the strategic plan for a company. So make it, making things very simple. Mm -hmm. And then after that, uh, we help them to, to in, improve or implement the box score. The box score is, is a way to simplify key performance indicators in a way that they can start measuring processes, not people. That, and that's very important for, for people performance, for team performance. And 
instead of measuring uh, monthly, like most companies do, we help them and teach them how to measure companies uh, with just 12 to 15 indicators, uh, but we do it weekly, not monthly. So we increase the opportunities to, to, to make better decisions when we do it weekly. And we also show them how to organize the, the companies of the future. We call it the value stream structure. And this is a value, uh, uh, an organization that is not organized by functions or by departments. Maybe this is one of the main constraints for companies to, to grow and to succeed. So organizing by, by value streams, it's very interesting. That's why, uh, and it's not easy to understand, that's why we invite them to see this kind of organization, uh, taking them to a different uh, companies, client companies, uh, where they can, they can see how, how interaction happens between different leaders from different departments in just one place. It's, it's not like everyone is in an office, it's, it's, a, it's a big office for all leaders of the company. So that's very, very important. Maybe I would say the most critical factor for success. We, we also teach them how to, to develop and manage agile projects. And most of, the, most of the leaders are really frustrated in the way they manage uh, teams and the way they manage projects because most of their jobs are managing projects. So the, we teach them the agile way to manage a project. And, and so on, we have other tools but the most important is that uh, what we uh, aim is that they can optimize their use of, of time. So time management in this case is, is crucial for us. We want to switch uh, by using the 80-20 rule um, from uh, spending 80% of their time in operations and not more than 20% in managing to completely in the other way. Only 80% um, of their time uh, focus on strategic uh, execution in leadership and also on the most important part and uh, becoming teachers so for us leaders are coaches leaders are, are teachers so uh, but they need time <laughs> so the best way to do that is by using tools so they can optimize the, the, the use of their time and they can uh, feel really satisfied in the way they are managing so once they start learning and applying these basic tools, uh, because I have to tell you, they are very, very simple. Once they start doing uh, their jobs by using those tools, uh, they completely change their man mindset. In fact, it's, it's really difficult to see them uh, doing things uh, in the same way they, they used to do it. Yeah. So they completely change the, their point of view. You know, that's so interesting. I love it when people say things that, that I try to tell leaders, uh, but you say it better. It's like um, so often it's hard for a leader to make that transition from taking their hands off of the operations because that's A, their comfort zone, what they've been doing all this time and B, you know, what they like doing and having to say, no, you need to focus on managing so others can get that done, right? And so it's a different skill set, a different focus. Um, but what you're also showing them is that when they do that, the results are, are spectacular, it seems like. So they can really see that, that they're uh, improving the performance of the whole team by making that shift. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. They, they, they feel really good uh, by doing what they dominate. Mm -hmm. And as this is a new position or uh, this is um, uh, a new challenge they, they have by uh, becoming leaders, 
uh, sometimes they, they suffer a lot and, and, and there's a lot of stress right there. So, um, but here's a, a way they can organize the, their jobs, their um, teams. And mm -hmm. I would say that now the main challenge for, for a leader is how to organize teams and how to become a better leader by becoming a better teacher. Yeah. Yeah, good point. So I'm curious, though, you know, you talked about leaders becoming much more international. What about the employees, you know, the people that are trying to lead the teams? Are you finding differences there across the different countries and how to uh, work with the, with the employees? Or is that, uh, yeah, I guess that, that would be the question. Yes, well, in terms of managing employees, uh, I, have, I have learned from my experience visiting countries all over the world. And, that uh, is different the way the leader needs to approach to their employees. Mm -hmm. It's different the way they, the, the employees become motivated. But something I think is, is common is the way a leader approach to these teams by uh, first uh, showing them a different way to work. And uh, in fact, the, the leader becomes the teacher uh, mm -hmm. in, in this kind of methodology. Mm -hmm. And also uh, the way the, the, the um, uh, employees work because in the past they need the normally workers they don't have information all the information only belongs to the leaders imagine that now an operator of a machine and uh, now he knows or she knows exactly how many units they are expecting from 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 this specific process mm -hmm. imagine that now they uh, the, the operator knows exactly what's the cost and at the end of the shift uh, he or she is able to to know exactly um, what was the cost, what was the quality level, and also uh, if, if she or he or she accomplished the mission for the day. So uh, it's a completely different mindset. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's, uh, I, I think right now leaders are um, facing an opportunity to encourage employees to work with emotions. In the past, it was just working because it's good to work, but I, I mean, uh, when a leader, uh, it doesn't matter if this is from Spain, from Mexico, from the United States, um, it's clear on what the expectations are, not for the month, not for the year, but for the day, in terms of quality, in terms of quantity, in terms of uh, cost. Um, and, and they are reinforcing uh, these kind of um, expectations and also rewarding every time they achieve the goals. Uh, but as, as I say, in the short term, I think uh, the mindset from, uh, start changing. So I would say that um, motivation changes in, uh, between cultures. But uh, I would say every time we uh, uh, put in place this kind of system, we can see something in common. Uh, motivation from, from different uh, uh, countries in terms of employees uh, is about uh, involvement, leader involvement. It's about leader uh, commitment in terms of explaining what the expectations are. It's about uh, giving the tools uh, so they, they can really uh, take advantage of the technological tool, the, 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 the tools we teach, for example, in, in this case, uh, and, and let them make decisions. I would say that that's gonna be a, one of the main challenging uh, situations, like the leader, the regular or traditional leader, uh, they want to take the, to make all the decisions, but when you uh, let others make the decisions, of course you're you're taking a risk. But uh, in the long term, you will see that 
thinking in a team, it's better to, to make decisions by, by our own. So um, in other words, I would say that, um, of course, different countries, different cultures, uh, it, this is a, a, a key factor. But once you remove uh, those kind of barriers by trusting people, by, by giving the, the, the tools, by giving the information, and giving them the opportunity to make decisions, uh, things start changing. Yeah, so a few of the things that I heard out of that was empowering your employees. Exactly. Empower. Yeah, em empowering them and, and having them have a little bit of control over their lives, which exactly. is what we all like a little bit, rather than just being told what to do all the time. Um, and they probably are even better at making the decisions because they're really right there, hands-on, a lot of the time, You're right. right? You're um, right. Yeah. They have situations, in, in fact, Sometimes I ask uh, directors or even owners that please um, don't say anything during a meeting and uh, just to, 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 mm -hmm. to give themselves the opportunity to listen what others have to say to others uh, have to or want to participate and also contribute in terms of decisions. And at the end, they say, well, I have to tell you at the beginning, I was really nervous. I, uh, but at the end, uh, finally, so these guys are really thinking. <laughs> mm -hmm. So... It's, it's just to give the opportunity to, to participate. Well, I want to ask you one more question before we have to wrap up. And I'm, I'm curious about yourself. Um, how have you grown as a leader? You know, what have you learned about yourself to be a better leader in your current role? Okay, well, it's been hard because I, I'm in the technical part. I'm in the nerd side, as you mentioned. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and growing as a company was challenging because I was the... the engineer uh, doing what the customers need i was the one teaching i was the one uh, delivering the coaching and so on so for for me growing was hard and was pain was painful so um i had in, in in some way to to make sure that what i wanted to happen it was clear for everyone so just for example when i decided to to move to the united states and um, what i started doing is to document everything we do from what in the way we sell, in the way we uh, do marketing, in the way we teach, in the way uh, we develop projects. So I had to document everything just to make sure everyone understands the same thing. So from there, I, I, from there I dedicated uh, a lot of time to coach my own teams. So I, I think that was challenging because you have to, to invest time. Uh, so in, in other words, my, my job, Right now is to um, develop my, my team leaders, to develop my teams in some way. Uh, I'm, I'm more in the teacher side, teaching my colleagues, teaching my, my partners on how to develop a, the Lean Six Sigma business around the world uh, more than, than a regular CEO. So those were my challenges in some way. Um, other challenge I had is to, is, is to uh, implement the, the the new technological tools. I have to tell you, we, we just moved to to the uh, digital transformation like one year and a half ago. Uh, so, analyzing what kind of technologies we need to 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 implement in our business uh, in order to keep running. Like right now, it's been challenging because most of the projects are uh, in, in stop. So right now, uh, that decision made us. Uh, in this case, to keep uh, in business. Right now we are surviving because we decided to put all these uh, trainings and uh, coaching 
online. Right. Uh, in other words, I'm always looking for different technologies. I'm looking for different approaches, different methodologies. So in some way, I mean, in the research and development area, <laughs> in the same way, I'm, I'm a trainer of my team members. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it's, been, it's been challenging in, in that way. But I, I think now that um, my main role is, is to develop teams <laughs> around yeah. So you've had to learn a lot more skills and, you know, develop yourself across disciplines to be a better leader and then uh, help teach others to, to get there. Like you're talking about uh, for other leaders as well to teach their teams. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. Well, you have actually contributed a lot to this episode by talking about what is uh, a good way to be more efficient and faster and, uh, with Lean Six Sigma and how to run uh, business across different uh, locations and a global approach there um, and how you yourself have made this transformation uh, moving uh, from Mexico to the United States and being global yourself. If people want to get in touch with you after the show, what's the best way to reach you? Oh, the best way to reach me is by uh, LinkedIn. I, I can give you my, my, my email so anyone can, can uh, write sure. me. I'll be very happy to, to respond to any question. Uh, it's been an interesting journey. Uh, so any, anything that is interesting for them or they can uh, reach me and contact me, I'll give you my, my email. Um, I always check my, my LinkedIn account. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think those are the best ways to, to reach me and I'll be very happy to, to answer any, any question. Okay. We'll have that in the show notes with direct links there and all that. So people can get in touch with you. Lewis. Well, thank you so much for being a guest on reinventing nerds. Of course. Thank you very much for the opportunity. I, I, I really, I'm really happy to contribute and also very happy to, to be part of your show. Thanks. And thanks to all our listeners and viewers. Uh, We'll see you next time at reinventingnerds.com. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Reinventing Nerds and encourage you to apply what you learned to help you communicate better. For a free consultation with Joni to see how she can help you further, please visit reinventingnerds.com. Until then, embrace your inner nerd and remain true to yourself while you develop your communication strategies.